Welcome back to the Cybersecurity Evangelist, the cybersecurity podcast for everyone. With cyber being an integral part of nearly every minute in our personal lives and the cost of doing business in today's world, cybersecurity is less about cyber and more about people. So, on TCE, our goal is to address the human element of cybersecurity and how with proper awareness and a few basic tips, everyone can be more cyber secure. Episode 4 of the Cybersecurity Evangelist. This is part 2 of Am I Doing Enough? The 5 P's of Basic Cybersecurity. First and foremost, I want to wish everyone a happy National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. What a perfect time to be airing a cybersecurity podcast for everyone by talking about some basic behaviors so you will be cyber smart. We chatted up National Cybersecurity Awareness Month pretty well in part 1, so much so that we left everyone hanging with 4 of the 5 P's I promised. Also, as this is part two of a longer recording, we still had a few audio and connection glitches that I was unable to edit out. So thank you in advance for bearing with us through those few seconds. Last time we met my guest, Shay Chumley, my Smoky Mountain residing friend who is the information security manager for South Blunt County Utility District in Merrillville, Tennessee. You might recall, Shay let us off with a very real world incident that nearly cost a small town water utility $3.2 million in fraudulent wire transfers. She then helped me introduce the 17th Annual National Cybersecurity Awareness Month for October, and among all the great conversation and me prattling on a bit, we actually managed to discuss cybersecurity awareness, which I called perception, in keeping with the theme and all. As for today, we air part two for some pontification on passwords, privacy, patching, and protection. All right. Hey there. So, yeah, seems uh, to the listeners, it seems that we had a bit of a technical difficulty, but we are reconnected right now. There has been connections uh, a little bit here and there, but uh, uh, we should be good to go now. Um, we might as well just kind of move on to the next um, topic. Um, this one may, I don't know if it'll take a while or not, because everyone's really familiar with passwords. Um, and you know, we all talk about strong, having a strong password and things have changed where strong doesn't necessarily mean complex. Cause that was another term that we, you know, ha- had heard in the past prior to actually 2017, when there were some changes, um, <laughs> by the national Institute for standards and technology NIST, uh, where they kind of relaxed some of that sadly businesses, uh, and organizations haven't been, um, kind of keeping up with that and and these passwords that they make us create are still complex and not consistent and you know this organization or this website you know requirements are different than this website and it's just like like silly uh but to, to kind of go with that door lock analogy um it, that i was talking about in the awareness and perception um you know it's uh, having a password i think is like a lock on the door you know it doesn't mean that a determined person won't break in uh, but it is a stopgap uh, likewise if you give your key or well password to someone you know then they can enter unencumbered whether you're giving it to someone you trust or think you trust but so the idea is don't give your password to anyone you wouldn't trust with the key to your house or your your safe or something as an example although that said uh you know we from a cybersecurity perspective we recommend never giving your password to anyone 
Um, you know, there are certain passwords you could probably share them with your spouse and that kind of thing, but uh, work passwords, don't share those with, with anybody. Um, however, I, I don't know if you're aware of this one. There was uh, one of the resources that one, one of us are at least going to mention towards the end of this um, is the, you're probably familiar with the Sands Ouch newsletter. And uh, back, I think it was last January, I can't believe it, it's, it had been a year already, but they talked about digital inheritance. And I know there are, you know, folks that, that are dealing with this. It's like, oh, I guess I better include my passwords with my, you know, trust documents or my inheritance or not inheritance, but, you know, my wills and, and estate planning. So we've kind of gotten to that point where you know, we tell you don't give your passwords to anybody, but in the event something happens, we still need to account for them because our digital, our online lives are like crazy. So, uh, you know, our digital footprint and everything is online and our banking and our insurance and just everything. And your executor is going to need that information. Your family's going to need that information. So just kind of a, a little aside on passwords, don't share them, but you do need to take that into account. Um, when, you know, obviously you can't list all your passwords everywhere. And we talk about password managers and this conversation can go a million different ways, (laughs) (laughs) but what do you tell people, um, Shay about creating, maintaining, and, you know, protecting, um, passwords, you know, kind of like, you know, protect passwords, like you protect your wallet is kind of how I think of it, but what is your, your, um, you know, advice to people, both in the workplace, as well as as you talked about your 16 year old daughter. So, yeah. So something that I realized we would have, and I think, you know, anytime you're reading an article or or talking or reading something to do with password security, um, it talks about how do you create them? And you touched on that with the NIST guidelines, kind of changing what all has to be in a password symbols, numbers, uppercase, lowercase, all of these things. Um, and we cha- at South Blunt, we are in the process of, anyways, changing our policy for passwords and simplifying it, changing the number of characters required and making it much longer, like 64 characters long, where you can actually create something that's easier to remember. Like <laughs> some people are going, what? I can't even I know. remember 16 I know. or eight. How am I going to remember <laughs> making 64? Well, I, exactly. But the idea <laughs> is you kind of get to create more of a passphrase instead of a password. So it's not just this list of letters and numbers that you have to try to remember. Okay. I used an exclamation point instead of the I and the at symbol mm-hmm. instead of the A and that kind Which of Which don't formula. do that, by the way. Don't right. do that. That's, that's predictable. Yeah. I, ha- I, exactly. had a co- I had a coworker that used to um, accuse me, uh, tease me about having a past paragraph. So <laughs> <laughs> but it works because I can remember that, you know, um, some examples that we went over in training was like, you know, if you sit down at your computer and you love to log into windows, then write a short little brief sentence about why you love to log into windows, mm-hmm. you know, so that when you sit down and that's what you think of, or when you go to log into this program or your email or whatever, you know, and we kind of joked about some examples of like, you know, there's no place like home and may the force be with you and what doesn't <laughs> kill you makes you stronger and, you know, kind of creative ways to do that. Um, and so it, it takes out that, uh, where someone wants to just put in like a series of initials and then 
add symbols to the end of it to make it meet whatever guidelines. Because it actually is a much weaker password created that way. Um, right. And then we Easier do to use... crack, quicker to crack. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they tend to get reused. You know, reusing passwords that you've used before is a terrible idea. Um, so that's kind of, and, and that again is part of our our culture, our awareness training, and just that constant communication that's, you know, coming out and, and really encouraging people to create something that they can more easily memorize. But if you can't, and you have, you know, 25, 50 passwords to remember, which some of us do, and it gets to be very overwhelming, then there are definitely password managers and proper ways to keep up with that. Um, And certainly to kind of touch back to your example of, you know, the executor of an estate, it's much easier to pass over that information if you're giving them a password keeper, you know, Mm -hmm. so that then you can kind of turn that over rather than, okay, let me think of what my email is and what is my bank. And, you know, so it kind of comes in a package. Um, Right. And the idea there is with that estate planning and you have that password manager and you have that one master password that is you know, pretty strong. It's one that you need to remember. It's longer, stronger, you know, whatever, a little more complex. You have that one to pass on. That's not to say that down the road, you don't change it, but you know, there's also things in our estates that change from time to time that we have to go, should go update our will anyway. Um, But you only have to remember that one password and then all the rest of them are in that, you know, in that safe. Um, I know I've relaxed. I, I, especially in a business environment, I, I really, uh, tout password managers, nothing. I don't, I can't think of anything in a business environment that beats that personally. Sure. I've recommended password managers to, you know, personal, uh, you know, my husband uses all he's in technology, so that's not Mm -hmm. a hard sell. Um, and that kind of thing. And we have our kids using it and, uh, my mom, that kind of stuff. Hi mom, another mom shout out. Take that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, but I'm also, I'm relaxing a little bit on the at home. Again, if you protect your passwords or your maybe a little black book, password book or whatever, don't put the sticky, still don't put sticky notes all over your monitors and under your keyboard, keep it in a safe place. Like you would keep your wallet, like you would protect your wallet and things that are your phone. In, in this case, cause we ever, our whole lives are in our phones. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping that little black book where you've written things down that said password managers make it easier because it's all electronic and they create it and you don't have to write these crazy little, you know, phrases out all the time. Yeah. But I've personally relaxed my advice on, on home users. If you keep it and you keep it in a, you know, in a locked cabinet where if you are robbed or you do have company, someone's not going to look that up and take and take pictures or whatever. Cause you know, you have stuff people want, or sometimes they just want to see if they can maybe, you know, you know, if if we're talking about in our house. Um, So always lock it up, but uh, again, I'm, I don't know where you stand on everybody should use a password manager or, you know, if it's okay. I kind of agree. Um, I have an interesting example to throw in there at this. My husband and I were house shopping a couple months ago before the coronavirus kind of hit. And we were at this house in Knoxville and we're looking at the kitchen cabinets and I open up one near the back door and inside oh no well yeah it was the wi-fi passwords and all of these things recorded and I was just like I turned around and looked at him and shut the door real quick and I was like that's a terrible idea mm-hmm. or if you're listing your house maybe remove that but it's kind of those things where you you know put it in a safe place that 
you have to like find, tuck, you know, pull out mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So right. that was just to throw that out there. Isn't yeah. It? Lock door, lock cabinet. No, absolutely. I, yeah. I hear you. That That's just like, you know, taking a picture of my screen and, you know, yeah. here's my web, new webcam and here's the Wi-Fi password. Yeah. If I take Come a and get me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I hear you. I, I presume given what you do for a living, you like told the realtor and said, um, you yes, probably no. might want to tell the yes, homeowners no. they need to remove this because, you know, all these kinds of things can happen and you know Absolutely. luckily I'm not that person but I'm sure you weren't the only one to open that cabinet so right you know right. which which makes me go oh my gosh exactly. um, so the next uh the next p that we're going to talk about so we've done perception and we've done password uh the next p we're going to talk about and again I listed them originally in, in alphabetical order but this time you know as we're talking about them I kind of put perception and awareness first because I felt like that was important but passwords next because everybody kind of knows what passwords are and it's really you know the, the the foundation to our digital lives that we need to protect but privacy is the other the next p we'll talk about and this could be from you know keeping your your computer sessions especially if you work for a business or you know work for a company and you're working remotely keeping your sessions private i'm sure most of our listeners have heard about virtual private networks uh, vpns uh it also involves you know keeping what we post on social media minimum not everybody needs to know you're going on vacation for instance um you know the bad guys do you know, crawl this information or friends of friends of friends that really aren't friends, you know, may have a means, you know, a, a mischievous streak. And, you know, you just, you just don't know. Um, but then one of the less discussed, and I'm going to, you know, obviously throw it back to you for your thoughts on privacy. Um, but uh, before I share my, my other thought that was less talked about, cause I'm interested to see, Oh yeah, you probably have a story on that one too, which I love. Um, <laughs> but privacy is like, it's your doors, it's your locks, it's your window treatments. You want to limit, you know, going with that home, those home anecdotes, you want to limit what people can see or have access to. But one of the ones that I think people don't think about as much, and it's probably actually now in, in the Corona time, it's our COVID time, whatever you want to call it here, we call it Corona time. I probably shouldn't say that. That sounds, you know, like, ah. but anyway, with our social distancing and six feet, this kind of limits this part a little bit and you might get a feel for where I'm going, but uh, sitting in coffee shops all day, one of the big problems or other places staying in line at the grocery store is shoulder surfing. People don't think that, that people are looking over their shoulders and it's not hard to go, Oh yeah, I just did a little star for my, you know, if you're on Mm -hmm. an Android or something, I just did a little star for my, to open up my phone or whatever, or uh, someone saw your, you know, you're not using your thumbprint or something or fingerprint Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So Okay. Good thing for, well, plus I like, I, I kind of like the social distancing, but I digress. Yeah. Um, but it's also <laughs> maybe limits the shoulder sharpening, but that's not to say it still doesn't exist. And it's, you know, who knows what we're going to get back, going to get back to. Um, but one of the things is people are looking over your shoulder and you need to be careful what you're doing. If you're, you know, in the coffee shop, you know, Lord willing, we get back to that, um, you know, where we can watch where you're facing because people are interested in what's on your screen. Even if it's just sheer nosiness, there may be something interesting. Like they didn't have a malicious intent and all of a sudden they saw something that was pretty interesting and, yep. you know, um, huh. So yeah. anyway, your thoughts on privacy at large and if you have any, you know, shoulder surfing or other similar stories. Totally. So I feel like a lot of times 
my mind initially with privacy kind of goes back to uh, the workplace. And also it can kind of translate into home as well under the same umbrella of what I mean. But, you know, so if we're thinking about insider threats, whether it's intended or not intended, making sure that the data or the information you have in your workplace properly coded as far as who should be able to see what on shared drives and and things like that uh, is pretty important to actually keeping that information secure without opening it up for, you know, unintended sharing or it it just kind of creates, it's more of of setting the locks and, you know, putting up the window treatments and making sure that everything actually is categorized correctly so that the, whether it's, you know, for the utility district, we collect payment information, we have addresses, we have that, you know, personally identifiable information on our network. And some of it we have to keep for a certain amount of years before we can actually purge these reports. So making sure that that private information is properly secured, not only from the public, but from, you know, who needs to be accessing it or doesn't need to be accessing it in the workplace is kind of a good way to think about it as well. And I guess at home, it kind of, yeah, absolutely. So I love, I was just going to say the finance person needs to see that payment information or, you know, some form of that payment information, but the IT person, yeah, not so much. (laughs) So it's putting the, that, that control on that so that only the people that need to see the information can see it. And the people that don't simply just don't have access. The, you know, the administrative assistant to the director doesn't probably need to see the finance information in the payment information. Absolutely. I didn't mean to break your train of thought. You're totally fine. Like really quick. Thinking about it like at home, you know, when my daughter got, got the job, she gets the car. She also got a savings account, a checking account, and it's all lumped together at the credit union that we go to. Well, at first it was like, well, she needs access to this. She needs access to just her account. (laughs) She doesn't need access to Mm -hmm. all of this, you know, and she has her Mm -hmm. own login for our desktop computer. And, you know, she doesn't share mine. She doesn't share my husband's. And then we have a guest log on as well. So it's just kind of really comes down to categorizing and being aware of what you don't want everyone to see or be aware of. Indeed. Yeah. Like, it's like, like the window treatments yeah. in the end of the house. You know what? Uh, people walking up to the door, if they yeah. want to see, you know, in the kitchen while we're making dinner or whatever, but the bedroom, right. not right. so much. Totally. <laughs> you know, the bathroom, exactly. not so much kind of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so the next P, if you will, is patching. And this one's fundamental. I think small businesses and individuals, you know, probably have auto update turned on for everything. Uh, and that's wonderful. You know, we turn on patching and we turn on automatic updates because we're told to, you know, when again, individuals mm-hmm. and small businesses, um, you know, the anecdote here, I think is that that home anecdote is if you don't fix, fix it or fix something when it's broke, it, it really becomes a liability. If your door lock breaks, anyone can get in. Totally. Right. So uh, we can talk different scenarios. Well, I have an alarm system. If the door lock breaks and then, you know, I have an alarm system that'll alert me if the door gets opened and they can't, you know, that kind of thing. And, and that kind of goes to the whole that we haven't talked about it, but that layered security model, yeah. um, 
I'm sure we'll talk about it in future episodes of uh, TCE, but, um, but, you know, basically patching is fixing something when you know it's broke and it's, it's a very, patching is very important. I'm not sure you're welcome to go on with patching. I'm not sure if there's too much to say here other than maybe you have a story where uh, someone didn't patch and how badly it turned or, um, you know, you, throw it to you to discuss whatever you want to do about patching. I don't have any. Yeah. So I, I think like you said, patching sometimes is a lot of, a lot of times, one of those things that you turn on to have done, it gets updated, you know, the firmware gets updated here, this patch gets put on here, but the larger, I think lesson could be when, or an example, rather, when I worked at the bank, we went through a very intense IT audit. And we really thought, I I, I just thought it was going to kill me. I totally did. But Mm -hmm. what we learned, you know, and this was after years of operating, what we learned was that our camera system was actually sitting on a computer that had never been, it was on our network, but it was not added to that patching cycle. So for about three years, they sat, mm-hmm. and those are the types of loopholes that get exploited. I didn't even mm-hmm. know that was there, and you know, so it it creates those patching is an easy fix, and you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with that awareness, kind of all these things that we've talked about, but knowing what you have and then being on top of fixing it as soon as they come out with something. Like you said, there's really no reason to wait unless you know, you have procedures that, you know, dictate when you apply patches, but, um, yeah. Yeah. For smaller businesses, for, for enterprises and larger organizations and, you know, critical infrastructure environments like water, wastewater, and the, the control systems that control when water and chemicals get released and that kind of stuff. And I, I'm saying that for the rest of the audience that might not, you know, be in that, you know, that, that realm, uh, since that's mm-hmm. your, you know, that's where you come from, but, um, uh, had a total train of thought. Oh, you know, some of those environments you want to definitely test, but I think patching, you know, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's, you know, Oracle, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, whatever patching has come such a long way since uh, even in the last 10 years that the concern on whether or not, you know, well, I'm not going to auto update because something might go wrong. Um, it's really come a long way and the chances of something going wrong, from a personal, yeah. you know, individual perspective, or even a small business is really slim. And there's little to no reason in those environments to not en- enable auto, auto update. Um, you know, sometimes, like I said, the, you know, the large, the, the mega banks and, you know, the critical infrastructure organizations can't necessarily do that. And in many cases, there are no right. patches for industrial systems. That's another show. <laughs> Um, a little less for the, a little less for the everyday person. That's one of those more technical conversations. And, and that's kind of where we spend our day, most Mm -hmm. of our days. Uh, It's fascinating. Um, But absolutely, it's, um, there's no reason not to do patching. It happens, you know, and no reason to delay for most people, uh, if you will. Okay. 
So uh, I had another thought and then it escaped me. It was, it, you, you've seeded so many wonderful <laughs> thoughts and I don't want to jot stuff down because I don't want to hear all the typing. Oh, the I did when, just think you know, of something actually as far as patching goes. So something that we're changing at the utility district, our procedures were to turn our computers off at the end of every single day, turn them off over the weekend. So they're only on during the hours we're working on them. What we started seeing mm-hmm. happening was, you know, you'd turn it on, you'd be working for a little bit, it would need to apply updates, it would need to reboot, and it was this terribly inconvenient process for the user, and sometimes quite lengthy. You know, nobody likes to see that mm-hmm. 30% complete. It's <laughs> awful. For yeah, two hours, it, right? most of the time. <laughs> but... <laughs> What we started doing was leaving our computers on at night so that our, because we have a third party that pushes those, uh, manages all of that. So the patches get applied at night. We come in in the morning and try to reboot our computer so that whatever patch may have been applied the night before can complete that application process before we really need to sit down and get started. And it's kind of helped just smooth out that user experience. Um, So that's just a piece of advice, I would say. (laughs) Oh, no, that's, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. For businesses. Um, are the users doing that before, you know, they sit down? Or is this something that's occurring, you know, kind of globally, almost like a sorry for the technical talk here for those in the audience, but um, the wake on land kind of not wake on land, but I mean, kind of that idea where, yeah, we're doing a remote reboot of everybody at 6am or something like that, or 5am before they sit down? Or is this something because you're so small that you're just asking each individual user just to, to we're doing it with the user, what we we did have okay. that set. Um, and it kind of I'm not sure if it's the, the program that's used, but it, it wasn't really effective. We would let it reboot and then it would come up again later that afternoon or the next day and, and the alert would come up saying that it needed to reboot again for the same reasons. So it it kind of works better if and we so we disabled that and just had the patches applied and then the users come in and, and can reboot as needed in the morning. Excellent. Great, great tips. Okay. So the last P, so this was the five P's. The last P we're going to talk about is protection. Um, Again, from pups, again, not the furry quadrupeds, (laughs) but the potentially unwanted programs or applications or malware, uh, any kind of malware. We talked about ransomware a little bit in the beginning with the Emotet malware and uh, some of the things that we shouted out. Um, You know, these protections, this is kind of your... um, antivirus, anti-malware, your firewalls and your blocking technologies. Uh, Nowadays, uh, and and actually it was a conversation with some of my colleagues at Gate 15. They were asking me, you know, well, are we doing enough? You know, we're all remote, you know, so we all have. And they were asking me, well, you know, what are we doing? And, and, you know, my brain kind of stuck in that. We need antivirus and anti-malware. And, and, and one of the gals was like, doesn't it all come together? And I was like, you know what? It sure does. What the heck am I talking about? So it's like, yeah, it, they do. They, they come in this suite. Uh, usually there's a, um, you know, Norton or Symantec or, you know, whatever flavor, McAfee, whatever you use, Sophos, they do. Everything kind of comes in a suite and it's not expensive and it is so worth the investment. Plus there's, there's really good free yeah. ones. But the idea is to you know, antivirus is, is kind of very specific and, and, um, you know, not, it's looking for something specific, looking for a signature match. It's like writing your signature and going, uh, you know, uh, 
or someone's forging your signature and like, well, that doesn't match. Whereas anti-malware kind of sees that forgery. This is I recognize this behavior and this isn't really good. So we're going to block this. And so it kind of all works together. um, Yeah. You know, in these big suites of products and the other part of that protection and kind of goes to privacy and all kinds of things is, you know, having backups, um, you're protecting yourself from losing all of your data. There's different, different ways to go. Uh, continuing with that home theme anecdotes, you know, we have, you know, those fire extinguishers to help put out the fires like antivirus and anti-malware. And then we have like, you know, the other more uh, proactive things like bug spray, you know, to protect us from the, you know, the, the unwanted critters and insects and pests and, and things that are looking to destroy. Um, but we're being more proactive, hopefully being more proactive about that to deter or, ex- or extinguish these threats. Uh, so protection against these things are very important. Shay, your thoughts on uh, our final P that we're going to talk about protection on the basics of cybersecurity. Yeah. So I think you kind of touched on it too, that a big part of protection is protection is, is knowing what you have in place. Um, and that kind of goes back to some of our other points, you know, of knowing, okay, well, I have a lock on this door. I have a deadbolt on this door. I have an alarm. I have a camera system. Where am I protected? What tools are at my disposal for, to ensure my safety online? Um, it goes into the backups. Like you said, you know, if we've had a situation where uh, somebody lost some files, even, you know, it doesn't have to be terribly malicious, but let's say that something happened, somebody deleted something accidentally, and it was some pretty important information. If you've got those backups, you can a lot of times go in, get what you need. And so it, it is really a security on all levels you know, not necessarily just the cyber threat or the risk of, of malintent, but kind of that unintended inside actor accidentally deleting an entire folder of HR files that they maybe didn't necessarily need access to, to begin with. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh But it too, like, you know, and it kind of comes into like bringing awareness to the user of, you know, if I go out and install uh, Google Chrome on my computer, is it going to come with, like we're having another technical Uh difficulty can you hear me can you hear me okay good yes you came back sorry sorry about that (laughs) little little disconnected Um, there so like like i was saying with the pups and the puas just showing i think a, a person or an individual whether it's at home or in the workplace to be aware, you know, am I, if I'm going out and I'm downloading Adobe or I'm downloading Google Chrome and I'm just using those as examples, you know, what's coming with that? Is there an additional Bing browser or is there this other program that's tied into it? Do I really want this as well? You know, am I aware of what I'm getting? Um, and a lot of times we would see that in like when I worked at the bank, the for whatever reason, we had a branch that would end up with these coupon uh I don't even toolbars on the browser I don't even really know what to call it but and it was it would really (laughs) wreak havoc uh and I don't know that it was necessarily it it just was a disruptor you know and so it it wasn't something that they Mm -hmm. even wanted but it came with their browser or yes and it was checked and they didn't and they accepted all the defaults and you know and absolutely. And, it, and next thing you know, it's installed and lighting up your uh, yeah. monitoring <laughs> and 
probably hogging down the resources on the yeah, computer absolutely. to boot. And so those are just kind of the things that like being aware of what what comes in the package of what you're buying and, and uh, what's actually being downloaded on your computer. Um, it's important. That's kind of, I think a lot of times it's, if you're in a big enterprise or if you're in a big industry or a big company, you may not have that ability to download and install on your computer anyways. So you kind of may have to get IT involved, but for the home user or the small business, it's real easy to just kind of look past that extra box that may or may not be checked, like you said. Absolutely. All right. So yeah, we, I love this conversation and we are definitely, uh, this is going to be a two-parter. So we wanted to make another shout out to National Cybersecurity Awareness Month for October. Um, But I think now we're at that point where I would like to share some of our favorite resources. Absolutely. Um, We, again, we talked about National Cybersecurity Awareness Month and Again, no need to jot down all these resources feverishly, folks, if you haven't heard of them before or you want to check them out uh, because they will be in like the episode description, show notes and the companion blog post on the Gate 15 website. So with that, Shay, list as many (laughs) as you want or can in a minute. (laughs) No, seriously, take your time. Uh, What are some of your favorite resources for anybody pretty much for anybody which most of i know most of the ones that i like are good for personal as well as for um you know small businesses and yeah, large totally. businesses um i love staysafeonline.org um i also like the sba.gov for small business association um i try to also let me kind of back up there the national Cybersecurity alliance is really good um, DHS has some information, Department of Homeland Security. Um, and from those, a lot of times you can kind of traverse onto the individual side of things. You know, if you're starting on the, the Small Business Association, you can kind of either drill it down to how you could use it at home, or, or you may find links to a resource that applies better to your use at home. Um, another thing that I used when I was at the uh, bank and then also at the utility district is these uh, ISAC groups. It's the information sharing analysis centers and not all industries are represented, but certainly a vast majority are. And it's a membership driven organization. So you, and it's really just based on sharing information and which I, that is my, like, I will hang my hat on that every day because The more we talk about this, the more stories we share, the more we participate in a dialogue with each other, the better off we're going to be. Absolutely. You speak to my heart with the, with the ISACs or even ISALs, information sharing analysis organizations. And I usually liken them to, uh, again, kind of going back to that whole idea that, that home stuff, that neighborhood, it's like a neighborhood watch, right? If you know, if someone broke into my house, Uh, I need, you know, I want to let my neighbors know that, hey, there was a, I had a break in, this is what they took. I'm providing intelligence and information to my neighbors so they can, I don't know, maybe it was a a necklace or something, put your jewelry away and lock, you know, lock your doors, be a little bit more aware and vigilant because there's an active threat 
targeting my neighborhood, in this case with the ISACs, it's usually critical infrastructure based. I know, uh, you know, there's the water ISAC for water and wastewater utilities. There's electricity ISAC. Um, I'm hoping to have an ISAC based call um, on this information sharing analysis center kind of uh, themed call one of these days on TCE, but it's, you know, all those things there's, there's healthcare and it's the healthcare neighborhood or if you yes. community. Um, so it's about, it's like that neighborhood watch, um, you know, you got to put into it. Uh, you should put into it. Everybody's asked to put into it, but even if you don't like, well, nothing really happens to me. Okay. I get it. You know, you have a little small house and maybe you have no jewelry that nobody would want to steal, but you don't, they don't right. know that coming in. So it's good information for you to have uh, in case you do get a break in, you know, get a, get a break in. Um, then, you know, well, maybe what they were looking for and, and you know what to, to, to look out for. And they say, you know what, I got a break in too. They didn't get anything because they didn't seem to have anything, but, but they were here, you know, and maybe that's, you know, five yeah. houses away. And you just, just, yeah, it's like, it's like a neighborhood watch, if you will. So I didn't mean to hijack that part of the, but I'm really passionate yeah, about ISAC. I, I, I think that that's what I rely on a lot. Um, <laughs> excuse me. And there's been, you know, I think at the bank, when I worked at the bank, we had um, smaller groups, user groups through Google. So if you don't find, if you want to, if you feel motivated, then start that group. You know, you can, there's a lot of totally free ways to just start that conversation, that information sharing between what you consider to be your community, whether it's, you know, your personal community, your neighborhood, or your professional community. Um, and I, I just think that the more that, that we talk about things, the more we share, the better off that we, we are in the end. For the record, the bad guys, especially the cyber bad guys, the, the, the bad guys do it too. Yeah. They share information. Now, oh, this is a good target sector. This is a good target. Um, not, no pun intended with the target breach, but I literally, I didn't mean that. But, you know, this is, this could be a good victim. I bet, you know, they'll pay this ransomware sure. or they, you know, or something like that, or they're very, you know, vulnerable. Uh, they trade information and they trade tools and a lot of them sell tools. We, we had that conversation on, on the previous episode. Um, so they're sharing information and we need to, too, to keep ourselves, the good Absolutely. guys safe. So what else? What else um, so there's like? a lot of newsletters that I try to kind of be a part of. And a lot of times I'll just see something and, and say, okay, that's great. Um, there's some through DHS you can get sure. on. Krebs on security, I feel like, is really good. Sometimes his articles mm -hmm. are a little bit above my head. But I, I feel like it just <laughs> is, it's good to keep me in that constantly thinking uh, mode. And that, I don't want to... That for for some of the audience, I don't want to like scare them with all of these all of these resources because you could pick one or two. Those of us that are in cybersecurity wa watch a ton of them, mm -hmm. and then we have resources. And I'm going to make a big plug for uh, Gate 15 puts out a. Uh, uh, daily. It's called the situational update notification. Uh, it's called the sun S U N and um, our director or our, our managing director actually, and, and some of the other uh, colleagues um, actually kind of go through all like all of these sources that um, Shay has been talking about and then some and put it together so that you don't have to, you 
you know, the audience wouldn't have to. And you can use that as kind of the big headlines and, you know, well, what's important for the day? Um, those of us in cybersecurity, uh, kind of like those, if you know, we look at all the cybersecurity resources, um, but there's that that the sun provides that kind of high level of awareness, like, oh, you don't necessarily have to drill in, but just mm-hmm. understand, hey, that's a tree. Right. And I shouldn't run into it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> One thing I love about the the sun, because I get that newsletter as well, is the complete picture. It's not just cyber news. So it's everything. Right. And I can read Thank through you. it and mm-hmm. not feel like I'm, okay, numb to a certain topic after a certain point. So I feel like it's a, it's a really good, well-rounded resource for news in general, really. In this Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He covers uh, everything from, you know, mm-hmm. public health, uh, climate, climate environment, a little, you know, the world news headlines, U.S. news headlines, um, you know, critical infrastructure headlines, you know, and they're kind of all categorized, as you said, as well as cyber threats, yeah. uh, technology and things of that nature. So absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for the shout out. Um, I'm so glad to hear that you subscribe to that. This is, yeah, it's just like, oh, I better pay attention to that and drill in. And um, yeah, we check it yeah. out every day for sure. Uh, anything else on the list? If not, Go for I it. have a few. <laughs> um, you kind of you kind of opened up with the, the DHS resources from CISA the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency um, more for organizations probably less than less for individuals but coming up I believe it's starting next Wednesday for four weeks on Wednesdays uh, they are gonna do their uh, the CISA is going to do their cybersecurity summit it's their second second annual third annual second and third annual oh I should know that um, and obviously it's going to be virtual this year. So organizations are encouraged to, to check that out. Again, the links, uh, all these links will be uh, in the, the blog post. Um, I think I mentioned it earlier in the recording about the uh, SANS uh, Institute. Uh, they have what they call a SANS Ouch newsletter. It's the newsletter for everyone. They talk about, like I brought up, digital inheritance, talk about security for families, um, social media, security, privacy, I mean, everything, all written, all very short, like one-pagers, maybe a page and a half written in plain language for everybody. Um, There's also an organization called the Cyber Crime Support Network, or CSN. Uh, They use the acronym CSN. And uh, they're partnering with, oh, so many organizations. Uh, I think multiple ones that we've, we've talked about already um, and they're also, they also support a new site called, I think, I, I don't know the URL. It'll be in the show. Notes, something about the fraud uh, network and it's for everybody to report. Yeah. We have the FBI and we have CISA and we have ICS cert, US cert and all these other reporting agencies as well. Um, and businesses may think of those things, but for the cybercrime support network, I met some folks at a conference, um, want, uh, at a conference uh, not too long ago last year, actually. And uh, they just, they want to be present for everyone. If you don't know where to go, you know, they kind of want to be the number one search, search result for how yeah. I, they need you know, help uh, to get help. If you've been a victim. Um, so Cybercrime support network, we're not partnering with them or anything, but um, I met them and then they keep popping up on other little things. And I'm like, you know what? I need to, to kind of leverage that and, and do a little bit more with them. So I want to give a shout out to them. Uh, there's also an organization that we are working with called the Cyber Readiness Institute. 
um, this is a great resource for small businesses uh, looking for uh, ready-made cybersecurity awareness training materials. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them, mm-hmm. Shay, or not. Uh, I know you use No Before, uh, as you stated, yeah. or you have used No Before, I should say. Um, so you're familiar with No Before. Um, which is fee-based. Cyberness Readiness Institute is free. They've got some like MasterCard Visa uh, organizations that have come together and support. They they fund uh, other big ones too, other big global corporations that fund this uh, Cyber Readiness Institute. Um, everything they do is free and they've got tons of materials and that's something worth looking up, especially for small businesses. Um, there's also the Identity Theft Resource Center, um, it's another great resource to uh, for organizations and individuals alike, um, actually, probably mostly individuals. Um, you know, if you've been a victim of identity theft, um, that's a great site uh, when you can report it, get help, uh, Identity Theft Resource Center. And if you're ever wondering if your passwords or your <laughs> email accounts have been compromised one of my personal favorites, it's, uh, it's got kind of a geeky name to it, but it's called Have I Been Pwned? And it's P-W-N-E-D. Again, link will be in the show notes. Um, so you don't have to like, <laughs> what did she say? <laughs> um, is, is run by just a, a, just a stellar, a stellar guy, Troy Hunt. Uh, he's from Australia. I'm not even going to try to, um, you know, fake the <laughs> accent or anything like that, but uh, he, he runs this uh, stand-up stand-up security guy um, and tracks just tons of breaches, validates them. This isn't a fly-by-night site, um, and it's done very securely, very with privacy in mind. Um, and I, on a regular basis, kind of double-check and make sure that you know I haven't had an account uh, you know that's been involved in a breach. Um, and I think. There's also reporting, FBI, uh, Internet Crime Complaint Center, or IC3. And I can't really think that was kind of all you hit a few of mine. Oh, uh, Stop Think Connect campaign. Stop.think.connect. Uh, campaign. Uh, it's kind of, uh, they part, not partnered with the National Cybersecurity Alliance and National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, but um, another great resource that, that promotes all of that, the same kind of stuff. And, probably talked on all that way too long but just a ton of resources again it's all about awareness um perception (laughs) or awareness shay final thought um you could leave the audience with one one tip one it could be a p it can be an a b whatever one basic tip on cybersecurity. um what i just think that it's always speak up i'm real big on like we've talked about on sharing information and communicating and i just really try to not only be always open to those questions at work you know when somebody interrupts what i'm doing and says hey what's this or hey can you look at this and just always being gracious and going and doing that but encouraging everybody if you and here's one of those taglines you know if you see something say something but for real you know <laughs> if we mm-hmm. do that and if we can become really good at sharing that information with each other then i um i believe that gives us that leg up, you know? No, absolutely. Indeed. Uh, so I thank you for sharing that. I, I feel very strongly about information sharing as well. Um, the other part of that is 
uh, and you've done a good job in your organization and for those that are in businesses, for those that are leaders in businesses, especially um, empower. It's important for you as part of the culture to empower your employees. I don't care if you're the director or the president, what level of authority you have. cybersecurity culture comes from the top down and it comes from you and especially Mm -hmm. where there's finances involved and personally identifiable information please I implore you to empower your your staff I don't care if it's you know the lowest person on the totem pole empower them that if a request comes in that looks like it comes from you or someone like you in your organization and it's financial and hey I need you to do this now those are the themes that the, the, the bad guys are using right now. Empower them to stop and say, no, Shay has, <laughs> has talked about multiple instances where they have those checks and balances in the bank, uh, you know, where, you know, they, they, they got the, you know, the 17, you know, messages for the wire transfer requests. No single person had the authority to okay those transactions those had to go through a series of checks and balances empower your your staff that if something comes of a financial nature especially stop don't do a darn thing with it by yourself Um, and ask and ask like Shay said you know we can just stand up and say you know hey you know did you get this or did you send this or is this right Um, get on the phone you know call that person by methods that you already have, not methods that might be in an email. Hey, call me. I'm in a meeting. You can text Mm -hmm. me. Don't call or whatever. Uh, No, Um, validate the information. And, and, you know, those leaders need to say, if you get, if, if you get interrupted from one of these, then thank, thank them. They deserve a bonus. So, Shay, I can't thank you enough for joining me on the Cybersecurity Evangelist. Um, thanks for working through the, the technical difficulties that we had. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I want to thank you that this is definitely going to be a two-parter. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, I think it's great to be able to kind of carry through the conversation and not feel like you have to jam everything in. So thank you Gosh, so Thank you for having so me. Much. I, I love I love talking with you, but I also love sharing this information and, and talking about it. And uh, so thank you for giving the, that opportunity. Yeah. And I love, I know it's, it's, it's not that thick, but I love listening to your <laughs> well, accent too. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So again, to the audience, sorry for the few technical difficulties. We are dealing with, uh, you know, nestled yep. in Tennessee. So, <laughs> hey, you know, there may be some, some glitches now and yeah. again. I'll take it to be nestled into the Smoky absolutely. Mountains. That's for sure. All right. Thank you so much, you Jay. Too. Have Bye-bye. a great day. Thank you for tuning in for the other four P's of basic cybersecurity. In a penultimate recognition of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we hope you learned something you can apply today so you can be cyber smart. Tune in next time to see what the Cybersecurity Evangelist comes up with in November. Until then, please listen to the Nerd Out Security Panel discussion on the Gate 15 podcast channel next week to hear Dave, his band of merry men, and one amazing woman. And then Andy is leading a very timely discussion on election security the following week on the Gate 15 interview. Between the two podcasts, there are bound to be some considerations you might not have thought of before heading out to your polling place. 
and then spend a fallback hour with us before you go out to vote, as Jarena, Dave, Andy, and yours truly will no doubt talk more about election security and probably another serving of acronym SOUP with N-C-I-S-R-M. But you'll have to tune in to the Risk Roundtable to find out what all that stands for. Either way, you can count on us to explore the threats and risks across all hazards, physical, natural, man-made, health, and of course, cyber. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Lynn Walker, your cybersecurity evangelist. And to close out this episode and National Cybersecurity Awareness Month 2020, do your part, hashtag be cyber smart. Not just this month, but every day. Cybersecurity Evangelist is a Gate 15 production. Please visit the Gate 15 podcast channel for more. Our full podcast lineup includes the Risk Roundtable, the Cybersecurity Evangelist, Nerd Out Security Panel Discussion, and the Gate 15 interview.